and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi. Hey. Your hair is pink and it looks great. Thank you. You're so I know welcome. our listeners can't see it, but believe me, it looks really good. And I am supremely jealous because I have dark hair and I have to bleach it out in order to get any semblance of color. And this is something I've been bitter about since I was like 13. So this is who's really getting it all out. This here. is deep thoughts with Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before we start, mm. I have a mea culpa moment. Mea culpa. <laughs> so so we got uh, after our last um, topic, which was uh, Queens, British mm-hmm. Queens, as you know, um, we got a very lovely message <laughs> From our dear super fan, Kathleen. Shout out to Kathleen. Hey, Kathleen. She uh, wrote, Psst, George V was Elizabeth II's grandfather, not father. He changed the name from Sex Coburg Gotha to Windsor. And his son, George VI, was Elizabeth's father, the one who took over after asshole Edward VIII's abdication. And she said she loved the episode. So that Excellent. was nice. And we had, another, we had another one. Heather Hurley on... Um, Twitter, Twitter on the mm-hmm. Twitter. She sent me a teeny note. <laughs> said Henry VIII's first wife was from Aragon, not Aragorn. Mm. So I said Catherine of Aragorn, like she was on a quest. Yep. to get a ring. Yes, exactly. Back. Destroy a ring. You know what? I mean, <laughs> I mean we can talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about that offline. Um, but I was just in that mindset i guess oh. <laughs> but she is catherine of aragon so yes. i apologize if you got any like learnedly questions wrong or anything <laughs> in the meantime in the- <laughs> so so thank oh, you man. to both heather and yes, kathleen for you. their corrections we are open to corrections because we are flawed human beings and life is a rich tapestry so mea culpa <laughs> excellent thank you oh man all right okay so um i feel like I often bring up that I work at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Um, I don't think I knew mm. that. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure how many times I've brought up that I'm the archivist there. Oh, okay. You, yes. Well, I mean, like, you know, like oh, you're wait, feigning, like, oh. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't know if I should um, pretend or not. Yeah. So um, <laughs> one of the most recent collections that I processed was really awesome. It was by a um, toy and creator... A designer named Bonnie Erickson. So okay. Bonnie is, um, she created several major league sports mascots, oh, wow. um, including the, uh, the Philly fanatic from the Philadelphia Phillies. Sure. Uh, she created Yuppie, who was for the Montreal Expos, who then, oh. once the Expos shut down, was traded to the Montreal Canadiens. The so mascot was traded Yeah, too? the mascot was traded. Oh so gosh. he's like the only mascot in major league sports that has been traded across leagues, which oh is gosh. really cool. <laughs> um, she's done a lot of other mascots too. Um, but she kind of got her name out there in the 1970s working with... Jim Henson and the Muppets. Um, Bonnie Erickson is actually the creator of Miss Piggy. Oh my gosh. Um, and she actually created a bunch of other really um, important and well-known Muppets along the way. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Bonnie today, but really what I want to focus on is the original Muppet Man, the career and creations of Jim Henson. Oh, yay. I love the Muppets. Yay. I know. It's a fu- such a fun topic. Yeah. And shout out to Tara W hyphen S who, <laughs> who um, inspired me to do this topic because she also loves the Muppets so much. So um, I'm going to start with a timeline of Jim Henson's okay. life and then kind of talk more in depth about his creations. Great. So um, in 1936, James Morey. Uh, Jim Henson was born in Greenville, Mississippi on September 24th, 1936, and he was the younger of two children. Um, During the 1940s, his family moved to Maryland, and in 1954, he entered the University of Maryland. Um, He started working at uh, the CBS affiliate TV station in D.C. Um, His first TV experience then was working on a Saturday morning show called The Junior Morning Show. Um, A year later, they gave him his own five-minute television show. What? Hearing late at night called Sam and Friends. So it was was essentially a puppet show on late at night, um, weeknights, 
you know, between like 1135 and 1140 or something like that. Five minutes? Yeah, what it was do you a five-minute puppet show. Um, so during Sam and Friends, it was kind of the first appearance of what eventually became Kermit the Frog. Ooh, okay. So, um, this show aired live in D.C. for six years. So in the show, Henson began experimenting with techniques that changed the way which puppetry was used on television. Um, so usually you'd see like marionettes or you'd see like, a, you know, a ventriloquist dummy or something like that. Yeah. Um, Henson really um, wanted the puppets to appear to have life and sensitivity yeah. and stuff. And so he started working with like, you know, part of it would be using your hand and part of it it would be using a rod to move the arm instead of like strings from above. Okay. Um, so he really started to like pioneer how puppets were filmed on television. Um, so in the early days of his puppet creations, um, Kermit was not actually a frog. He looked more like a lizard. Um, he had roundish feet. He didn't have flippers. He didn't have like that pointy collar that you mm-hmm. see around Kermit nowadays. Um, and as Henson described, all those characters in those days were abstract. So he was simply a lizard-like creature, not really a specific species. Oh, okay. um, he created that puppet out of one of his mother's old coats and oh, used gosh. ping pong balls for the eyeballs oh. and then drew on them with like a permanent <laughs> marker to make those those eyes. Um, so his show was very popular. It was on the air for it was on the air for six years. Oh You're, my gosh! And, you know, a five minute show for six years. <laughs> Can't like really get day. a lot of yeah. stories out of that. <laughs> yeah. So in 1957, um, Jim Henson taped his first commercial for Wilkins Coffee, and that's where he had his puppet characters Wilkins and Wonkins. And one of them would say, "What do you mean you've never had this coffee?" And the other one would, you know, s- smash him or oh, something geez. like that. So it was. They became very popular. They were very humorous. And okay. It was um, some early, some early puppet on puppet violence on television. <laughs> God. Um, in 1958, Sam and Friends won a local Emmy. Yay, oh my gosh! Go There's Jim. local Emmys. Oh yeah, like that's how your television noon station around here gets an Emmy. Like oh. it's not like the Emmy board is well, like no. reviewing some Rochester I, news footage. And I just thought they were lying. <laughs> <laughs> like. I mean, whatever. Nobody's, who's going to check? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you got your J.D. Power and Associates yeah, Award exactly. Chevy. Like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who's keeping track of that Ugh. stuff? Huh, what a thing. Local mm-hmm. Emmys. Got his local Emmy. Uh, within a year, he married um, Jane Niebel, who was a fellow student at the University of Maryland and one of his colleagues on Sam and Friends. He actually, like, when he got the show off the ground, he had some other people from, like, the arts department and stuff like that from the university come over and help him. And they their romance blossomed. Oh, um, they eventually had five children together. Uh, Lisa, Cheryl, Brian, John, and Heather. Um, in 1960, Henson graduated from the University of Maryland with a Bachelor of Science in Home Economics. Isn't Aww. that like a, like that's a cute little footnote. That's cute. Um, and the Muppets, like officially they're now called Muppets, appear for the first time on the Today Show. So um, he spent much of the next two decades working in commercials, talk shows, and children's projects. 1962, Ralph the Dog. You know, Ralph the dog. The oh, best. Uh, so he was built by puppet designer and friend um, Don Salen for a Purina dog food commercial. Um, and he became so popular that Ralph the dog actually became a regular on the Jimmy Dean show in the 1960s. Oh um, 1965, Henson earned his only lifetime Oscar nomination for an eight and a half minute experimental film called Time Piece, which was first what? screened at the MoMA. So, what? Henson wasn't just all about like children's entertainment. He also wanted to like branch out and oh my gosh, um, yeah. Again, this experimental film. He was mm-hmm. doing commercials for places. He wanted to write um, scripts and TV shows and movies and stuff that mm-hmm. weren't just focused on children. Oh, he didn't want to get like shoehorned in. Yeah, um, just to, for that, he thought you know there was all kinds of ways to entertain That's people. Cool. Who knew? Yeah. Um, 1966, um, his first licensed products with Ideal, the toy company, um, included Kermit and Rolf. And the third Muppet that was advertised was Snurf the Spider. What? Yeah. So in 1966, you could buy a stuffed Kermit, a stuffed Rolf, or a stuffed Snurf the Spider. Not very exciting looking. Not popular. Yeah. It's like it was a big, fuzzy, eight-legged spider with two big eyes. Huh. Not yeah. He didn't I wonder if that's super collectible now. Yeah, he didn't he didn't uh he didn't make I wonder it if you into, guys have one in your collection. I wonder. Should I saw the trade catalog with this page on it mm-hmm. that had them all, but Huh. Yeah, yeah you should take a look. Um nineteen sixty six also 
Jim Henson was hired to make um, a commercial for General Foods Canada. So they had three snack foods. Ready? Okay. This is it. This is all you had in Canada in the 1960s. <laughs> General Foods Canada made you wheels, flutes, and crowns. They were three different types of cracker that one what? was shaped like a wheel, one was shaped like a flute, a and one was shaped like a crown. Were I don't they just know. like matzah? I don't understand. It, hey. Did they all come together in the same box or did you no, get No, they were three separate boxes. Oh, you man, <laughs> Canada. Like if you sent your mom to the store and asked her for a box of wheels and she came back with flutes, I don't know. Oh my gosh, you just lose your mind. But uh, so those snacks featured um, early iterations of what would become a very famous future Muppet. So there was the crown grabber, the flute snatcher, and the wheel stealer. Those were the three characters that Jim uh, oh created. God. And the wheel stealer eventually became who? Cookie Monster. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when you see he that commercial, um, it's like very, um, it's, you could tell it's like an early iteration mm-hmm. of Cookie Monster. 1969. Okay. Sesame Street premieres in November. And I will talk about Sesame Street in depth in a little bit. Okay. Um, 1971, we have the Frog Prince TV special, which is when Bonnie Erickson um, entered the Henson Studios at mm-hmm. that point. She was hired to do some costume stuff for the Frog Prince. And um, then she became, you know, great friends with Jim and was able to create a bunch of stuff. Uh, 1973 was the Muppet Valentine special with Mia Farrow and a year later you have the Muppet show sex and violence TV series pilot and I'll talk about both of those in a second what yeah Uh, 1975 the Muppets make weekly appearances on Saturday Night Live's first season huh so they were like their own sketch on SNL oh my gosh um Apparently, like the Henson Group was concerned that the company was becoming typecast solely as a purveyor of children's entertainment. So uh, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and his team targeted an adult audience with a series of sketches. Mm -hmm. Um, The SNL writers, though, they never got comfortable writing for the characters, and they frequently disparaged Henson's creations. (gasps) Um, One guy named Michael O'Donohue quipped, I won't write for felt. (laughs) (laughs) So dramatic. Oh, please. (laughs) Doing like poop jokes on late night tv really you're gonna rise above writing for a puppet give me a break (laughs) they were real artists yeah artists he's probably part of the harvard set uh 1976 the muppet show premieres and rita moreno is the first guest i'll talk about the muppet show in a minute uh 1977 emma daughter's jug band christmas Special? Which I've never seen, but I know uh, you're a big well, fan. I'll tell you all about it. Okay, great. Uh, 1979, you have the Muppet movie. Yes. Uh, Kermit the Frog hosts the Tonight Show. What? And um, then there's a TV special called Muppets Go Hollywood. So, like, the Muppets are like picking yeah, up steam. Big. Uh, 1981, you have the Up Muppets and Men television documentary. Uh, you have Muppets Go to the Movies TV special and the Great Muppet Caper movie. Oh, great movie. Great movie. 1982, the Henson Foundation is established to promote and develop the art of puppetry in the United States. And that same year, we have the Dark Crystal movie. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1983, Fraggle Rock debuts on HBO. Great show. 1984, The Muppets Take Manhattan. Great movie. Uh, And then Jim Henson's Muppet Babies animated television series premieres. Oh, my my God. I love The Muppet Babies. Um, 1985, we have Follow That Bird, the Sesame Street movie. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 1986, The Labyrinth movie. Oh, 1987, yeah. the Storyteller TV series. Um, it was a little. It was a little more aimed at an older audience too. Okay. Uh, the first episode was called Hans, My Hedgehog, um, and it's one of the only depictions of hedgehogs for which I do not care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very like it's a very creepy, it's a hideous. Um, we, then we get the animated Fraggle Rock TV series that same year, and Henson is inducted into the Academy of Television and Arts and Sciences Television Hall of Fame. Wow! So 80s. Just blowing big, up big, Muppets. Big, everywhere. Uh, in 1990, Henson starts working on his final project, which is Muppet Vision 3D for Disney World in Florida. Now you'll note that I said final project. <laughs> I remember this. 1990. Jim Henson passes away in New York City of streptococcal toxic shock syndrome mm-hmm. on May 16th, 1990 at age 53. Um, in accordance with Henson's letters, no one in attendance at the funeral wore black and the Dirty Dozen Brass Band finished the service by performing when the Saints would go marching in. Oh. Um, Henson had written, 
It would be lovely if some of the people who sing would do a song or two, some of which should be quite happy and joyful. It would be nice if some of close friends would say a few nice, happy words about how much we enjoyed doing this stuff together. And Carol Spinney, who's the puppeteer Mm. that um, is, you know, basically Big Bird's voice and... And body, body, yeah. yeah um, Carol Spinney, dressed as Big Bird, sang Kermit the Frog's signature Aww. song, "Be in Green." And the funeral was described by Life magazine as an epic and almost unbearably moving event. Oh, so when he died, mm-hmm. I was five, mm-hmm. and I have a distinct memory of my father sitting me down in our front room <gasps> and saying, "I have bad news." Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know it was very heavy, and he was like, "Jim Henson died," and it was. It was devastating to me. Oh, and I don't man. think I even really quite understood, understood who Jim it, yeah. Henson was. You know what I mean? I just knew he was like the Muppets guy. And I was like, is Kermit still going to be alive? And he was like, yeah, I think so. Oh. It was like really awful. So yeah, one of my earliest memories is my, my dad sitting wow, me down and telling me down. Jim Henson died. Also, another memory of mine off topic. <laughs> when I turned six years old, my dad sat me down in my bedroom and was like, you will never be six years old again. What the fuck? <laughs> I, know, I know. Like, enjoy this year because you're just going to keep getting older. You'll Dave. never be six again. I know. I think dad was going through some stuff <laughs> in 1991 because that was, I, I remember being like, uh, what? Like, I didn't have a concept of time moving forward. I was six. Yeah. So thanks a lot, Dave. Oh, really? Oh, man. Shoving my mortality in my face at a, y- at a young age. Lauren, you're never going to be 32 again. Believe me, I think about that every year on my birthday. So thanks. He's not going to remember. I'm going to get a text message from him being like, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Jim Henson shuffled off this mortal coil. 1990. Mm-hmm. So now I want to talk more in depth about his creations. Please. So starting with this, his TV series. Okay. Um, you have The Muppet Show. Yes. 1976 to 1981. It aired 120 episodes. So... Um, they wanted to put the Muppets on television, like in their mm-hmm. own show, basically. So the Muppets Valentine show that had Mia Farrow in it aired on ABC in 1974. And that was like considered like the first pilot for the Muppet show. Okay. And then a year later in March 1975, they aired the Muppet show, colon, sex and violence. So <laughs> I need, I cannot <laughs> wait to hear about this. So um, it was just basically like a bunch of sketches done by... Muppets and they wanted to make they wanted to like ensure that it was really for adults so they I think that they wanted to initially call that second pilot uh, like sex and violence with the Muppets and then the ABC wouldn't go for that so this is how they got it on is the Muppet show colon sex and violence (laughs) Um, so the first two pilot episodes failed to get the attention of network executives in the United States though um, so Lou Grade, who was an English television executive, um, approached Henson to produce the program in the United Kingdom. So it was filmed at the ATV studios and sold in syndication to the United States and other countries. So it was actually like filmed in Britain. Oh, wow. And okay. then syndicated to the rest of the world. So those of you that don't know, The Muppet Show was a half hour variety show where Kermit the Frog and the Muppets put on a weekly musical comedy review at the Muppet Theater. Um, so some of the memorable characters that we have there, the show, um, it marked the introduction of a large varied cast, including hapless comedian Fozzie Bear, Waka Waka, um, <laughs> the diva Miss Piggy, uh, the daredevil Gonzo, uh, wild drummer Animal, um, the Swedish chef. Uh, by the way, in Sweden, the Swedish chef is called the Norwegian chef. Because <laughs> really like they don't want to be associated. <laughs> They're like, well, it wouldn't make goofy. any sense. No, that's true. Because they... then he doesn't, he doesn't actually speak Swedish. <laughs> um, you have Scooter, who works backstage as like the gopher guy yeah. on the stage, like the stage manager, really. Um, you have Dun- Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker of Muppet Labs. Um, so Bunsen Honeydew, he has a big big old green melon and no and eyes, no eyes. <laughs> but butt he glasses, glasses. Uh huh. he's very smart though oh no he's a genius and then beaker's the one with the big uh the big fuzzy and the crazy eyes and his mouth opens like like a hinge <laughs> out <laughs> um so their performances at the Muppet Theater, um, they consistently failed to entertain old curmudgeons Statler and Waldorf, who yes. are the two old guys that sit in the balcony. Which you and I have been compared to in, yes. on numerous occasions, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I have in, been insisting on 
considering it a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. They were yeah. on te- television for a long time and we still know their names. Okay. Yeah. Also, we I'm pretty sure we... <laughs> We solidified that this morning when we were at brunch because we were literally sitting on top of a balcony looking down at everyone and (laughs) critiquing them. Like, look at that guy's hair. Yikes. That's true. (laughs) I won't deny it. So I guess it's truer than I was expecting. So um, Statler and Waldorf were also creations of Bonnie Erickson. Oh, that's cool. And they were named for the New York City hotels. Um, So the Waldorf and um, the Statler Hotel. The Statler Hotel... It doesn't exist anymore, but the Waldorf. um, Waldorf is the one with the mustache and the white hair, and Statler has the gray hair and like the the big the big butt chin. Yeah. Um, And Waldorf has a wife. Her name is Astoria. (laughs) That's cute. cute. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So they sit up in the box seats of the theater. And the action in every episode was balanced between the onstage acts and the frantic activity backstage. So recurring other figures included self-professed moral compass and censor, Sam the Eagle. Mm. Um, He tried to make the show more cultural. You have Camilla the Chicken, who's Gonzo's girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) Um, Robin the Frog, who was Kermit's nephew. And you also have Link Hogthrob, the pig captain of the swine trek in this pig's in space skits. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. I forgot all about him. Yeah. Pigs in space. Yeah. Oh, it's such a great show. And um, then the house band is Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. Yeah. So you have Dr. Teeth on keyboards, piano and vocals. Floyd Pepper on bass, guitar, cello, banjo and vocals. Zoot on the saxophone, clarinet, flute and tuba. Also doesn't have any eyes. (laughs) Janice on the lead guitar, tambourine, trombone, trumpet and vocals. And then finally, you got Animal on drums. Yeah. And I... um, uh, I remember reading that Animal was based on um, Keith Moon yes. of, of The Who. Um, some other characters that you might know are Rizzo the Rat. Of course. He was um, named for Ratso Rizzo from Midnight Cowboy. Oh. And um, you have Pepe the King Prawn. He is remember him? my favorite Muppet. Yeah. Do you know his full name? Because uh, I didn't. I do not. It is Pepino Rodrigo Serrano Gonzalez. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. I love his little like antennae <laughs> and his giant eyes and his little okay. okay. Like he's the best. Yeah, I feel like Rizzo and Pepe like in the movies especially, they oh, became yeah. like real good comic relief. Yes. So great stuff. Um so in addition to like these kind of main and peripheral characters, there are generic whatnots, which are blank Muppet heads onto which facial features, bodies, and clothes were added to make any kind of character you needed in the Muppet Show universe. Oh, wow. So they would just have like a bunch of like these blank whatnots backstage and then they'd, you know, plug some different eyes on and put a different wig on and then, oh you know, they could bring the same like base out um mm-hmm. for the show. So they didn't have to make unique Muppets exactly. for every like minor character mm-hmm. that would just kind of pass along. Okay. There were also a wide array of animals, vegetables, and minerals that filled out the chorus. <laughs> Can you picture like minerals? the dancing carrots? And stuff? Well, yeah, the dancing yeah. carrots, but minerals. I think there were rocks. I feel like there were some puppet All right. rocks I mean, out I'm there. not going to argue with yeah. that for sure. If there were carrots, there had to be like a hunk of agate or something in there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Very easy to, you know, oh, yeah. to Muppeteer. Yeah, you know. it's a lump with a couple of eyes. Or not. <laughs> so in keeping with the television variety show format, each episode showcased a celebrity guest star or oh, duo yeah. who were the only humans to appear on the show. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, kind of cool. The show ran for five years and 120 episodes. It finally went off the air, not due to a lack of popularity, but because of Henson's desire to move on to bigger projects, mm-hmm. such as The Dark Crystal, that would require the full energy and resources of his company. So production wrapped on The Muppet Show on Friday, August 22nd, 1980. Great. Uh, Sesame Street, though, 1969 to the present. There have been, as of St. Patrick's Day weekend, 2018, (laughs) uh, there have been more than 4,491 episodes of Sesame Street. So it premiered November 10th, 1969, providing the first daily national television showcase for Jim Henson's Muppets. It was created for the Children's Television Workshop, which you might see as CTW, which later became the Sesame Workshop. Um, Sesame Street has earned the distinction of being one of the world's foremost and most highly regarded educators of children. The original series has been televised in 120 countries and more than 20 international versions have been produced. In its long history, Sesame Street has received more Emmy awards than any other television (sighs) program. 
So following an initial proposal by Joan Gantz Cooney in 1966, which she titled Television for Preschool Children, there was an 18-month planning period for a grant of $8 million from multiple government agencies and foundations. The original planning crew included several veterans of Captain Kangaroo, as well as head writer John Stone, who Geek Bowl attendees may now know as the author of The Monster at the End of This Book. Oh, yes. Um, And at Cooney's suggestion, Jim Henson and the Muppets were brought in. So the original human inhabitants of Sesame street were bob yep. mr hooper yep. gordon and susan sure muppet characters were originally kept separate from the humans to maintain realism oh. um but that didn't last for yeah. long um, many of the Muppet characters have been designed to represent a specific stage or element of early childhood, and the scripts are written so that the character reflects the development level of children at that age. Oh so this helps the show address the learning objectives of various age groups and also the concerns, fears, and interests of children at different age levels. So they put a lot of thought into Yeah, this. no kidding. Um, so your main Muppet characters on Sesame Street... You got Big Bird. Sure. He's the eight foot tall yellow bird who lives in a large nest on an abandoned lot next to 123 Sesame Street. His best friend is Mr. Snuffleupagus. Yes. um, A.K.A. Snuffy, Mm -hmm. whose real name is Aloysius. Aloysius Snuffleupagus? Yeah. All right. And originally he was, um, he was Big Bird's imaginary friend. Yeah. Only you could see him. like... Then, you know, for a while it was, you know, Big Bird would say, well, Snuffy said this and Snuffy said this. And um, they changed it later in the show's run because they didn't want children to think that adults shouldn't believe them if they're telling them something. Oh, that's so, super since interesting. since nobody else could see Snuffy, if Big Bird was saying these things and then they were like, yeah, well, we can't see him. We don't believe you. They wanted oh. to make sure that if kids were telling adults something that that was important yeah that they would believe them oh my gosh yeah. wow yeah, they they put a lot they, of thought into this <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of early childhood development stuff going Definitely. on wow um uh you also have oscar the grouch of course obviously um he was originally an alarming shade of orange hmm. um so also in different countries he has different names and different places he lives um in pakistan his name is akhtar and he lives in an oil barrel um oh. in turkey he is kerpik and lives in a basket <laughs> and in israel it's not oscar at all it's his cousin moisha ufnik who lives in an old car <laughs> that'd be moisha? a good screen name moisha ufnik moisha ufniks could you spell ufnik for oh. me o o f n i k okay ufnik. all right ufnik mm-hmm Oh, my God. I love yeah. that. Um, Oscar the Grouch's girlfriend's name is Grungetta. Oh, I didn't know he was partnered. <laughs> oh, yes. That's great. I'm glad. <laughs> and he has a pet word named Slimy. Yes. We know Slimy. Mm-hmm. Um, then in 123 Sesame Street, um, in the basement apartment, you have Bert and Ernie. Mm-hmm. Um, Bert loves pigeons and bottle caps. Sure. And Ernie loves his rubber ducky. Yeah. Um, so they live together in the basement apartment and Ernie's window box is the home of the twiddle bugs. Those little oh, yeah. cute little bugs that live in the planters. Um, so there are a lot of monsters on Sesame Street yes. too, but they're all really great monsters, you know. Uh, you have Telly. So mm-hmm. um, Telly was originally named the television monster when he debuted in 1979. And he was obsessed with television and his eyes would whirl around as if hypnotized whenever he was in front of the set. But they, they changed that. They toned it down for the 80s and beyond. Yeah. So his name is Telly Monster. Um, you have Zoe. So she got her name. Um, she's one of the first like girl monster Muppets actually. Mm -hmm. She got her name because um, they wanted to name a new Muppet after this performer, Fran Brill. And Fran didn't want a puppet named after her, so she suggested naming the puppet um, Zoe after the J.D. Salinger novel, Franny and Zoe. Oh, so okay, that that's cute. cute. Um, you have Rosita, who is, she's, mm-hmm. um, she is, uh, she is a Hispanic monster. She's Latina. She's, uh, yes. <laughs> um, you have Elmo, who obviously, um, his name was originally just Little Monster. Oh. And they changed, they gave him a name, Elmo. Um, then obviously Grover, Oh, yeah. He was always my favorite Sesame Street one. Grover's um, great. And then Super Grover is, yes. is Grover his with, a, you know, his uh, his <laughs> cape and his hat on. Yes. And one of my earliest memories is I tied my blanket around my shoulders and stood at the top of our staircase. Uh-oh. And I yelled to my dad, catch me, I'm Super Grover. <laughs> and I leapt down the, down the staircase. Oh, my God. And I do not remember what injuries I incurred from that incident. Because <laughs> your dad but- didn't get there in time? <laughs> It's in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you have yeah. no memory of No how. memory after that. <laughs> um, obviously, another blue monster that we have talked about, Cookie Monster. Of course. Do you know his real name? 
Um, no, I don't. It's I, Sid. Sid? Yeah. Like Sydney? Yeah, like S I D. Sid. Did I? I imagine he was like. Is his backstory like he was a perfectly normal monster and then he got hooked on cookies and I was living on the streets doing anything for a chocolate chip. And then they say, hey, cookie monster. Yeah. And then he turned around and said, that's my name. Yeah. (laughs) No, I feel like it was revealed as like, I feel like my name used, I used to be called something else. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like a Seinfeld thing where they just reveal his (laughs) first name is Cosmo. Oh, man. Um, Dark backstory of Cookie oh, Monster. Yeah. Well, and then a couple other monsters. You had our hairy monster, H-E-R-R-Y monster. And then the two-headed monster. I love the two-headed oh, monster, yeah. too. That's a good one. They were great. Or he was great. They? They were. There's two of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conjoined twin monster. But you know what? We'll give them independent they. Yes. Yes. Some other Muppets we have. Um, Prairie Dawn. Do you remember her? Oh, yeah. She was my first nightmare. I remember that. (laughs) What? (laughs) Again, I really love Super Grover. I remember having a dream where I I think I was like two or three years old. Oh, my God. Having a dream. Super Grover was there. There was like a rowboat. We were getting into it. It was like a, it was like the scene of Sesame Street too. It wasn't okay. like a real life rowboat and stuff. Sure. And Prairie Dawn opened her mouth and she had two fangs sticking down. <laughs> and I remember waking up and being so scared. And that was the beginning of your constant nightmares. You have more nightmares than anyone I have ever met. <laughs> it's a very overactive imagination. Yeah, I you suppose. really do. But yeah, Prairie All Dawn. All that daytime stress just gets poured into horrifying Muppet (laughs) nightmares. (laughs) But also speaking of uh, fangs, you have Count Von Count. Of course, yeah. Um, So in, uh, and actually, this is interesting. In traditional vampire folklore, vampires have erythromania, which is a compulsion to count. So that's how he kind of got his name too. So it's actually like true to true to vampire, vampire folklore. Wow. Is that they have the amount of research erythromania. Good for them. Arithmo. Arithmomania. Arithmomania? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have Abby Cadabby. She seems like when she's one of the newer Muppets. She's a fairy in training. Um, you have Guy Smiley. He's oh, a game show God. host. Um, you have construction workers Biff and Sully. You got the cowboy Forgetful Jones and his girlfriend Clementine and his horse Buster. Um, and also the bear family, which are the, yes. the you know baby bears, shows up a lot nowadays. Um, so while it's been established that the famous street, Sesame Street, sure. is in New York City, the actual location of Sesame Street has been hinted at but never confirmed. Ooh. And I'm going to tweet out a link. Uh, about how to get to Sesame Street. How you actually get to Sesame Street. And um, finally, Kermit the Frog is the only Muppet Show character to make any substantial appearance on Sesame Street. Oh, okay. So that's the only... The only real crossover character is Kermit. Okay. Okay. Uh, Next TV series, you got Fraggle Rock. Oh, yeah. So that was on from 1983 to 1987. They had 96 episodes. It was the first HBO original series. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So for those of you that weren't lucky enough to be able to watch Fraggle Rock, um, Fraggles are small anthropomorphic creatures about 22 inches tall that come in a wide variety of colors and have tails that bear a tuft of fur at the end. Uh, They live in a system of natural caves within Fraggle Rock that are filled with all manners of creatures and features, which seem to connect to at least two different worlds and may therefore be interdimensional in nature. Oh my gosh. Uh, Fraggles live a very carefree life, spending most of their time playing, exploring, and generally enjoying themselves. They live on a diet of vegetables, mainly radishes, and doozer sticks. And Fraggles have the unique ability to share dreams. So if they touch their heads together before falling asleep, one can enter the dream of the other Fraggle. Oh my gosh, you're really like bringing some stuff back. So the series really focused on one group of Fraggles in particular. Gobo, Moki, Red, Wembley, and Boober. Uber. Yep. Yes. So they were a tight knit group of friends and each has a distinctive personality type. So Gobo, who was orange with purple hair, he's the leader, level headed and practical and sure. considers himself chiefly an explorer. You have Moki, who's lilac with the blue hair. She's very spiritual and artistic and quiet and contemplative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red has, uh, she's yellow body with orange hair. Um, she is exuberant and athletic and one of the best swimmers among the Fraggles. 
You have Wembley, who is pale, pale green with yellow hair. He's nervous and pathologically indecisive, though no coward when push comes to shove. That Wembley. And Boober, who's pale blue with orange hair. Um, His cardinal trait is depression and worry, and his favorite activity is washing socks. So uh, Gobo's Uncle Matt, who they also call Traveling Matt or Uncle Traveling Matt, he's gone into outer space, which is what the Fraggles call the new, the normal human world. Um, so he's gone to explore and he sends postcards back to Gobo regularly. And within Fraggle Rock lives the second species of small humanoid creatures, uh, the pudgy green ant-like doozers. Mm-hmm. So doozers about six inches tall. They are, in a sense, anti-Fraggles. Their lives are dedicated to work and industry. They spend much of their time busily constructing all manner of pointless scaffolding throughout mm-hmm. Fraggle Rock, using miniature construction equipment and wearing hard hats and work boots. Yes, I do And then, like, that. And the Fraggles come cute. along and just, like... They eat doozer sticks, so they <laughs> spend all this time building these like construction things, and then the fraggles come along and <laughs> munch it. Um, and then outside another exit from Fraggle Rock is a small family of gorgs who are giant furry humanoids standing 22 feet tall. Yep. Uh, the husband and the wife of the family consider themselves the king and queen of the universe and their son Junior Gorg as its prince and heir. And also in the gorgs world is a sapient compost heap called Marjorie. Oh my God, yes. I remember the compost heap. <laughs> and her two rat-like sidekicks, Philo and Gunge. And the Fraggles consider Marjorie the trash heap to be all wise and go to her for advice regularly yes, i do remember this yeah oh my gosh you're it's really a cool show some stuff back um and then you have the muppet babies so they were on oh, yeah. from 1984 to 1991 that was 107 episodes so the series featured baby kermit baby piggy baby fozzy baby gonzo baby rolf baby scooter his invent newly invented sister baby skeeter and baby animal under the care of nanny as they explore the vastness of their own imaginations um, the show's situations and humor relied heavily on incorporating footage from live action film and television productions. And most often this would be clips from movies in the public domain, but also there was extensive use of other properties like Star Wars and other popular movies, huh. as well as Henson's own The Muppet Show, Sesame Street and Labyrinth. And um, for the series, Skeeter was invented as the twin sister of established Muppet Scooter because the show was like, Wow, there's really a lot of dudes here. Yeah. Um, so Skeeter was athletic, smart, and capable, all qualities that the little girls watching the show would want to emulate. Um, I feel like Muppet Babies was my first exposure to like what Star Wars was and what Indiana Jones oh, was. Okay. And like I didn't, you know, it's not like we sat down and watched these movies, but I remember seeing clips of them on yeah. Muppet Babies, and that's like how I found out what these properties were. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. I don't think I remember that. But I didn't watch Muppet Babies that often. Oh. The opening, like in the opening credits is like Indiana Jones running. Well, Kermit dressed as, baby Kermit dressed oh, as Indiana yeah. Jones running down that tunnel with the big rock yeah. behind him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Henson and um, George Lucas were good friends. And oh, so okay. that's why so he that's got, like, got, got permission to, to put a lot of nice. things into Yeah, because that stuff is, I mean, they're very proprietary yeah. when it comes to And that you can't, we can't, like as of right now, we can't watch Muppet Babies anywhere. It's not streaming anywhere. They never released it on DVD. Like unless you taped it on VHS back in like 1986. Wow. We can't watch Muppet Babies. Oh my God. So it's only in my mind now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> Great. A couple other shows and, and specials I want to talk about. So Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. So it originally aired in 1977 and then later again in 1980. It was like re reissued. So it's a one hour musical Christmas special. So Kermit the Frog narrates the story of Alice Otter and her son Emmett, who live along the river in the village of Frogtown Hollow. Ma and Emmett struggle to make ends meet through odd jobs and projects for neighbors and villagers, but for Christmas, they dream of having enough money to buy each other a special gift. Known for their musical abilities, the otters are encouraged by their friends to enter a local talent contest, and the mother and son reminisce about Pa Otter, who serves as the inspiration for them to enter the show. And without each other's knowledge, Ma and Emmett prepare for the contest in hope of winning the $50 prize to buy Christmas gifts for each other. Emmett performs as a member of the Frogtown Jubilee Jug Band and Ma Otter sings a solo number, but both face tough competition from a hard rock group formed by a gang of woodland creatures who call themselves the Riverbottom Nightmare Band. The Riverbottom uh, Nightmare Band? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so metal. And um, when those guys aren't performing on stage, they enjoy breaking traffic laws, riding their snowmobiles, and destroying merchandise. Oh my gosh. So it's... It is a very beloved Christmas special. I know several people that like, Oh yeah. whenever you ask anybody like what their favorite Christmas movie or Christmas song, like immediately it's Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas. 
Oh my, I had never, honest to God, Ugh. until I met you, I had never heard of it before in my life. Wow. I can't believe Steve hasn't made you like sit down and watch it. Yeah, I don't, ah, I well. might have to talk to him about but that. But it's, it's very beloved by, by many folks. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I uh, just wanted to point that out. And then lastly, this one's a bit of a stretch because it didn't air until after Jim Henson had died. Okay. So dinosaurs was on TV from 1991 oh. to 1994. Um, he had um, come up with this idea initially in 1988. He wanted to have a sitcom, but about a family of dinosaurs. Sure. Yeah. And people were like, that's dumb. That'll never work. Nobody will ever want to watch that. So um, it, it did finally premiere in 1991 with Brian Henson at the helm. So it was it premiered after Jim died. Um, and it was initially set in 60 million and three BC in Pangea. Okay. So the show centered on the Sinclair family. So you had Earl Sinclair, the father, Fran Sinclair, uh, the mother and Earl's wife, and their three children, son Robbie, daughter Charlene, and baby Sinclair. So this was a, this was a Henson joint. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea that it was a Henson joint. I do remember watching that show, but I remember being disturbed by it. Yeah. And I don't know why. There was something about it like that the was, artistic stuff it that, was either like the aesthetic of it or like maybe there was some storyline or an episode that like mm-hmm. like really well like the finale is them dying like oh, a, maybe that was like it. a like a meteorite or an asteroid like comes down and like sends their land into like nuclear winter maybe that was it yeah it, it was it was more of a teen yeah. adult show than yeah. it was for kids well i probably but, shouldn't have been watching it but yeah but I mean, what is like what we remember from it now is like I'm the baby. Yeah, exactly. Not the mama. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, but there was something about it. I'll have yeah. to do some research. Well, Basically. speaking of disturbing imagery yeah, on yeah. your screen, we got uh, the movies. Yes. And I know so many people that love these. It just turns out I must have watched them at too early of an age yeah. and they kind of scarred me. So The Dark Crystal. Which I've never seen. Oh, boy. Well, 1982. Yeah. It is the first cinematic feature directed by Jim Henson to not feature the Muppets. So the plot, um, 1,000 years ago, the dark crystal cracked and the spirits of the Erskek were divided into the peaceful mystics and the evil Skeksis. A prophecy was written that stated if a Gelfling healed the cracked crystal, the world would be renewed and the Erskek would be reunited. And due to the prophecy, the Skeksis hunted down and killed all of the Gelflings. So the last Gelfling left on Thra, which is a planet <laughs> with three suns. Yeah, ready? A male named Jen was saved and raised by the mystics. And Jen is sent by his dying master on a journey to heal the dark crystal. If Jen succeeds, the world will be saved. But if Jen fails, the Skeksis will rule the land for ever and on his quest to save the castle of the crystal jen meets kira another gelfling and the two must battle the evil skeksis and save thra like it's that's a (laughs) this is very fantastical like even more so than a talking a talking frog and a talking dog running a a a variety show in a theater yeah, this is like beyond. Yeah. And it's very, it's like on purpose, it's filmed very dark. Like yeah. there are creatures, there's, they're very like mystical mm-hmm. looking and it was just a little too scary for me. Yeah. I don't think I ever, yeah, I don't think I ever watched it. Never got around to it. Well, you know, I don't, <laughs> what have I seen? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, can you add this to the spreadsheet? Yeah, add it Thanks. to the spreadsheet, Dark Crystal. <laughs> um, and then you also have Labyrinth. So that's 1986. Which I did like. I have seen it and I feel like it's lighter in tone. It has some funny moments. It's got some cute Muppets in it. Yeah. There's one that rides a dog. It's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Labyrinth for the the rest of us that haven't seen it. Um, A teenage girl named Sarah who's played by Jennifer Conley. She's tired of babysitting for her little brother and she idly wishes the goblins would come and take him away. And then it turns out she has to make amends when Jareth, the Goblin King, played by David Bowie, (laughs) takes her up on the offer. So Sarah has to find a way to the castle at the center of a large labyrinth within 13 hours or she will lose her brother forever. And along the way, she enlists the assistance of Hoggle, a grumpy dwarf, Ludo, a large horned monster with a heart of gold, and Sir Didymus, a knightly dog who's courage far exceeds his capacity to actually do anything useful yeah he's a dog who rides a larger dog as his steed <laughs> and ludo i forgot about ludo ludo so it's not so you're saying it's not as scary as no Dark definitely not it's it's actually really cute 
And okay. the only creepy part is David Bowie seems to have like a romantic interest in Jennifer Colony, oh, Connelly. Yeah. Which when you're eight, you're like, oh, she's an adult. But yeah. when you're watching it as an adult, you're like, now, that, you're like is that is a that child. Is a child. Oh, also, Jareth. honestly, I think you would actually like Labyrinth. It's not scary. The only scary part is that it seems that David Bowie does not wear a cup or any sort of protection when he's wearing his Goblin King pants. It turns out that this was a learn- this was a Fleetwood question that I missed last week. Oh, really? It asked, what 15th and 16th century fashion piece does uh, that is no longer worn was sported by David Bowie in Labyrinth. And I couldn't pull that out. The answer was codpiece. Yeah, Yeah. I couldn't because I hadn't seen it. All of his scenes. That's all you can look at. He's got incredible hair. His makeup looks beautiful. All you look at is his. His crotch. His gentleman parts. Okay. Yeah. But it's a great movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. I think you'd like it. All right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, also, just briefly, I want to talk about the Muppet movies that aired during Henson's lifetime. Yes. So the Muppet movie, 1979. It is a somewhat fictionalized account of the true story of how the Muppets first got together. Oh. So for the musical finale of the Muppet movie, Henson's vision involved 250 puppets. And he wasn't content to fill the screen with placeholders. He wanted every single puppet actively participating in the number. So to accomplish this feat, the production had to hire almost 150 extra performers through the Los Angeles Guild of Puppeteers of America. Oh, my God. There are that many puppeteers. Yeah. In Los oh yes and the song the rainbow connection sung oh. by jim henson as kermit hit number 25 on the billboard hot 100 and was nominated for an academy award for best original song oh, yeah uh the second muppet movie was the great muppet caper in 1981 uh kermit the frog and fozzie bear play the roles of twin brothers Okay. No, you know what? I'll do it. um, Who are newspaper reporters for the Daily Chronicle. And accompanied by Gonzo as their photographer, they're assigned to investigate the theft of a valuable diamond necklace from fashion designer Lady Holiday. And this movie has a very famous like bicycle scene where you see Kermit and Miss Piggy like riding bicycles through the park. And you're like, what? They're puppets. How are they doing that? (laughs) And singing. Yeah. So they started um, doing like radio controlled puppets. At the time, it was really cool. Um, and it, like when you see kind of like a how they did it thing, it's it's really That's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, the third one is Muppets Take Manhattan, 1984. Man, so, I want to watch these movies yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kermit the Frog and 10 of his friends are graduating from Danhurst College, which is, fi- you know, fictional. Because, okay, sure. you know, who's going to let a frog and a... Who's going to let Muppets in? <laughs> uh, I mean, they don't even have a GED. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're performing in a variety show on campus. Um, and then instead of splitting up and going their separate ways after graduation, the gang decides to try to take their act to New York and try to make it on Broadway. Yes. And so, they live in like a tiny apartment, <laughs> if I remember correctly. A very cute New York apartment. Yeah. Um, so the film introdu- actually introduced the Muppet babies, like toddler versions of the Muppet characters in a flashback slash dream sequence. So it was oh, okay. like actually puppets... But like baby versions yeah. of them. And then out of that, that's how they Came ended the up doing the animated oh, Muppet Baby series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there were only there were only those three Muppet movies during Henson's lifetime. And after his lifetime, you had The Muppet Christmas Carol, 1992. My favorite Christmas favorite. movie. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island, 1996. Uh, Muppets from Space, 1999. Uh, the Muppets in 2001. Sure. 11 so that was actually the Muppets first Academy Award winning film bringing home the trophy for Brett McKenzie's Man or Muppet Oh, am I a man or am I a Muppet here's that one you don't I've seen every Muppet movie I have not seen the 2011 Muppets well I haven't and then I the last one is Muppets most wanted 2014 I haven't seen that one that's one has like Tina Fey in it and oh, I can't believe right. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that one yeah. either. What? Oh, right. Yeah. Because it's got the, the meme of Kermit with like <laughs> evil Kermit, who's like a Russian, I think, like a Russian spy. Oh, man. It's all bringing back. You know what? We're going right. to get a couple of bottles of wine. A couple of bottles of wine. We're going to get both those. movie marathon. Muppet movie marathon. We're going to watch all of them. All five. <laughs> Six. Seven. All uh, of them. Three during Henson's lifetime and five afterward. So Eight. <laughs> yes. We're going to do it, Joel. Great. 
the summer. <laughs> um, a couple more things. So okay. um, Jim Henson's materials. Um, the Jim Henson legacy has his personal papers and Karen Falk, the archivist, she's basically the number one expert besides his children on his career. Wow. She published an awesome book that's called Imagination Illustrated, the Jim Henson Journal. Um, it's such oh a God. great book. So she takes, um, like Jim kept kind of a diary, but it was more like a every day he'd kind of like note what he did. Oh, okay. Meeting today with this person. Like, like the original... Kind of definition of diary definitely yeah yeah just like a, a, a notation of what you did that day yeah. not like your thoughts and your feelings and your you know yeah. live journal type stuff yes so um <laughs> so yeah she basically took his little red book that had this in it and then she found all of these things within the archives there and basically published a book out of it so if oh he said God. like met with this person about purina dog food today yeah then she found the sketches for rolf the dog and a photograph oh of Ralph the dog and an autograph of this person and that. like it's it's really cool oh my god awesome book definitely recommend great it. use of primary materials yeah. imagination illustrated the jim henson journal by karen falk um his film work is held by the academy of motion picture arts and sciences in la um so that's the film work of jim henson himself and the jim henson company from the 1950s through the company's recent productions uh, the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens has historic puppets, costumes, production design materials, and licensed merchandise in their permanent exhibition, the Jim Henson Exhibition, which opened last year in July 2017. The Worlds of Puppetry Museum in Atlanta has an interactive exhibit, which includes Jim Henson's office and television studio. And in 2016, the Henson family donated more than 540 licensed products and 60 books to the Strong in Rochester, New York, that chronicle Henson's career. So the Jim Henson collection at the museum includes coloring books, activity books, board games, card games, video games, stuffed animals, puppets, jigsaw puzzles, and play sets, and other licensed products. Um... In 2001, Sesame Workshop bought the rights to all Muppets used on Sesame Street, except for Kermit the Frog. And since 2004, Disney now owns all Muppet-related trademarks, including the word Muppet, though wow. Sesame Workshop still has permission to use the term for its Sesame Street characters through a license from Disney. So, um, and finally, like some of the important Muppeteers. So you had Henson, Muppeteered, Kermit the Frog, Rolf the Dog, Dr. Teeth, Waldorf, the Swedish Chef, Link Hogthrob, Ernie, and some others. Frank Oz, very famous. Oh, um, yeah. He Muppeteered Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Animal, and Sam the Eagle in The Muppet Show. And then Cookie Monster, Bert and Grover in Sesame Street. Um, he's also known for being the puppeteer and voice of Yoda in the Star Wars yes. films. Yes. And then finally, Carol Spinney um, is Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. And he's oh, still, I didn't know that. he is still going. He's been doing the show for like 50 years now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's the the life and creations oh, of that's Jim so Henson. Nice. So do you feel warm and fuzzy inside? I should, we should also mention that the Strong Museum has a Sesame Street oh, exhibit. Yes. And yes. you guys have the stoop, like mm -hmm. the front stoop with the green door. And the first time I saw it, when I first moved to Rochester, my friend Victoria took me there and shout out to Victoria. And I remember I literally cried. I was oh. like, oh my gosh, it's this, it's the stoop. I was like, I'm like overwhelmed. <laughs> like it's, it feels like Sesame Street. Like my childhood is here. Yeah. It's great. It's so much fun. You can see like kids love it, but you can see adults like, oh, mm -hmm. they get so excited. Oh, it's the stoop. It looks just oh, like it. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And there's Big Bird it's up awesome. in the second floor, like waving. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a great little space yeah it's very sweet thanks for the thanks for the the, the promo oh yeah no the yeah. strong is a great museum don't get me wrong <laughs> oh man great so, well thank you that was yeah. so interesting now i gotta i gotta do some research you gotta now. watch a lot of movies. i gotta watch a lot of movies um so here's my quiz okay my quiz is called frog and pig are friends it is a quiz on famous frogs and famous pigs oh, great question one Way back in the 20th century, a cartoon mascot could make or break your breakfast cereal. Diggum, a green frog with a baseball cap and cool threads, shilled for what sugary Kellogg's cereal? Question two. This animated series for preschoolers features an anthropomorphic pink pig who enjoys jumping in muddy puddles, playing with her teddy bear, and going to playgroup with her brother George. What is the name of this little girl pig, also the title of her television series? Question three. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of which American rock band that has been bringing joy to the world for more than five decades now? Question four. 
Which allegorical novel starring pigs, Old Major, Napoleon, and Snowball was written by the author as a satirical tale against Joseph Stalin? Question five. The Japanese company Sanrio does way more than just Hello Kitty. Sanrio has a popular frog character who, according to his bio page, loves singing, baseball, and boomerangs, and lives with his family at Donut Pond. What is the name of this cute little frog with big eyes and a V-shaped mouth? Question six. A recurring villain in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, what character mutated into a warthog and became one of Shredder's henchmen? Question seven. Originally drawn as a cartoon character on Merry Melodies in 1955, this animated frog soared to greater heights when he became the official mascot of the WB Television Network in 1995. This singing, dancing, top hat wearing frog had a name that our listeners in Detroit would surely remember. What was it? Question 8. Charlotte's Web is not for arachnophobes. This somehow beloved novel tells of a young farmstock piglet saved from slaughter, first by a little girl named Fern and later by his spider friend Charlotte. What's this terrific, radiant, humble pig's name? Question 9. Fans of Seinfeld are surely familiar with George Costanza's quest to save his high score on the Frogger machine at an old high school hangout in the excellent season 9 episode, The Frogger. Tell me, what is the name of the soon-to-be-closed restaurant from which George purchases the arcade game? And finally, question 10. This little pink piggy lives in a beech tree in the Hundred Acre Woods next to a sign that says, Trespassers W. Acorns are his favorite food, and he's best friends with a guy who usually forgets to wear pants. Who is he? I'll give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers. I'm feeling pretty good good? about this. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Feeling good. Question one. Back in the 20th century, a cartoon mascot could make or break your breakfast cereal. Diggum, a green frog with a baseball cap and cool threads, shilled for what sugary Kellogg's cereal? Those are sugar smacks. Isn't that it? You know what? I will accept that. Oh, thanks. So, uh, Honey Smacks. Honey Smacks. So the cereal has had a laundry list of mascots who work for them. Started with Cliffy the Clown in the 1950s. Then Smacksy the Seal. Oh, that's Then Quicktron McGraw made an an appearance in 1961, followed by the Smackin' Bandit, then the Smackin' Brothers, and then Diggum the Frog appeared in 1972. He worked for Kellogg's for a few years and then was replaced by Love Smacks the Dog and Wally the Bear before returning in the 1990s. So the cereal has actually kind of changed its name over the years, too. It was called Honey Smacks at one point, then Sugar Smacks, then Just Smacks. And I think think right now it's just Smacks. Smacks. Yeah, because they don't want to have the sugar in it because people are more health conscious now. Yeah. So that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, you get the credit for that one. Thank you. One Uh, point for LT. (laughs) Question two. This animated series for preschoolers features an anthropomorphic pink pig who enjoys jumping in mud puddles, playing with her teddy bear, and going to play group with her brother George. What is the name of this little girl pig, which is also the title of her television series? Is her name Peppa Pig? It is Peppa Pig. She's so cute. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Brits will make a theme park out of anything. Um, In 2011, Peppa Pig World, a family theme park, opened in Hampshire, UK, with seven rides, an indoor play zone, a muddy puddles, water splash park, smaller play areas, and themed buildings. They don't have enough room there. <laughs> Guys. Well, Dickens World closed down. So Oh, that's true. So they know, just moved they in. <laughs> Peppa Pig just moved in at Dickens World. Oh, my gosh. Question three. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of which American rock band that's been bringing joy to the world for more than five decades now? That is uh, Three Dog Night. Yes. And I can sing every word to Mama Told Me Not to Come. 
<laughs> that ain't the way to have fun, no. son. No. So, uh, yeah, Three Dog Night formed as a trio in 1967. Then they expanded, and they have been replacing musicians in the band for nearly 50 years. They are still active and touring. We should go. <laughs> I bet it'd be really cheap to go to a Three Dog Night show. Yeah, that's true. They probably do a lot of fairs at this point. Yeah, and um, maybe casinos, like local casinos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm in. Let's do it. Question four. Which allegorical novel starring pigs Old Major, Napoleon, and Snowball was written by the author as a satirical tale against Joseph Stalin? That is Animal Farm. Yes, it is Animal Farm. Uh, George Orwell wrote the book during the winter of 1943 and 1944 when the UK was in a wartime alliance with the Soviet Union and the British people held Stalin in high regard, which Orwell did. did, He did not. He was like, that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Question five. The Japanese company Sanrio does way more than just Hello Kitty. Um, Sanrio has a popular frog character. Um, he loves baseball and boomerangs. I don't know. He loves boomerangs. Uh, what is the name of this cute little frog with big eyes and a V-shaped mouth? Is his name Ribbit? It starts with a K. Oh, my goodness. Cribbit? <laughs> it's Keith. Keith. Keith the frog? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, that famous Japanese character, uh, Keith. It's Karopi. Karopi. Okay, I wasn't going to get that. K-E-R-O-P-P-I. He's very popular. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, Kawhi, you know? Yeah. Super cute. Uh, Question six. A recurring villain in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, what character mutated into a warthog and became one of Shredder's henchmen? I really don't know. I have a hole in my knowledge of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of TMNT henchmen. This one is Bebop. Bebop. Bebop is the warthog. Wasn't there another one named like Rock and roller or something. Rock steady. Rock yeah. steady. Uh-huh. So Bebop, the warthog, often seen with rock steady, uh, a mutant rhinoceros. Uh, their sure. names are derived from genres of music. So yes. Bebop is a type of jazz yep. and rock steady is a Jamaican music style, which was a precursor to reggae. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, question seven. Originally drawn as a cartoon character on Merry Melodies in 1955, this animated frog soared to greater heights when he became the official mascot of the WB television network in 1995. This singing, dancing, top hat wearing frog had a name that our listeners in Detroit would surely remember. What was it? It's, uh, I'm going to be so mad. I did know this at one point. Uh-huh. What is it? You can picture him though, right? No, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. He's got those long legs and he's like, hello, hello my baby. baby. Hello. Hello, my yeah. Yeah. His name is Michigan J Frog. Michigan J Frog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. There was something in my brain. Yeah. There. So the WB's first night of programming was January 11th, 1995. It started with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck wondering which one of them would pull the switch to launch the WB. The camera then panned over to Chuck Jones drawing Michigan on an easel. And when he finished, Michigan leapt from the drawing to formally launch the WB. And a year before the WB shuttered in 2006, Warner Brothers announced that Michigan had died and obituaries were published, giving his date range as 1955 to 2005. Oh, my God. Yeah. They were like, the frog is dead. (laughs) It was very... It was a little Long dark. I guess the they were like last grasps at that point. I guess so. Jeez. Um, question eight. Charlotte's Web, not for arachnophobes. This somehow beloved novel tells of a young farm stock piglet saved from slaughter, first by a little girl named Fern and later by his spider friend, Charlotte. What's this terrific, radiant, humble pig's name? I don't remember. It's Wilbur. Wilbur. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you not like that book? No. Oh. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> well like so they're like oh this little pig he's too little we're gonna kill him and the girl's like don't kill him and then they trade him and the girl is sad and then the and then the spider yeah is friends with the pig yeah, and a sure. rat named templeton yes and the spider starts spinning messages about him yeah and then he she famous. lays her eggs and she dies well that's what happens to spiders julia <sighs> you know what life is not a bunch of happy endings and I think Charlotte's Web really illustrates that. Is it the is it the spider? What is it about? Because so far, I think you were trying. I think you were just trying to convince me that it's not a good book by just using a different tone of voice and describing the the plot. Did it work? No. <laughs> I'm still not understanding why you don't like it. Was no. it the spider? It could maybe it was. The spider. I mean, it illustrated. She just looks like Liza Minnelli. Like she's got a Liza Minnelli head on a on a spider body. I mean, she was very beautiful. She had gorgeous eyes. No, it's just all right. You know, it's not for everybody. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Question nine: 
Uh, fans of Seinfeld surely familiar with George Costanza's quest to save his high score on the Frogger machine at an old school hangout in the excellent season nine episode, The Frogger. What is the name of the soon to be closed restaurant from which George purchases the arcade game? I don't remember. And I should remember. I'm going to be so mad. Is it like Joey's or something? Something along those lines? It's a names, names, something. Sam's Pizza. Salvatore's Pizza. No, that's a local pizza place. Dot com. What? Yeah. That's oh, the okay. commercials that's are the commercials. here. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. No, I thought you were giving me like yeah. a, a hint. I don't know. Tell it's me. Mario's. Mario's. Mario's Pizza Parlor. I would also accept just Mario's. So uh, George remembered achieving the high score as, quote, the perfect combination of Mountain Dew and mozzarella, just the right amount of grease on the joystick. Yep. Um, and one of my favorite quotations from that episode is um, George says, Kramer, listen to me. I'm never going to have a child. If I lose this Frogger high score, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good episode. That's a very good episode. And finally, question 10. This little pink piggy lives in a beech tree in the Hundred Acre Woods next to a sign that says Trespassers W. Acorns are his favorite food and he's best friends with a guy who usually forgets to wear pants. Who is he? That's Piglet. It is Piglet. Um, And one of my favorite tidbits, like I read this and it came, it all came back to me. Um, According to sign... According to Piglet, the sign Trespassers W is short for Trespassers Will, which is short for Trespassers William, which was the name of his grandfather. <laughs> That's why he thinks he can live there. Oh, that That's is so cute. cute. I can I can picture that like movie scene or episode yeah. where I saw that in. So. Well, that was lovely. Yeah. Such a nice, warm episode <laughs> of childhood memories. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> and nothing's, nothing's scarier or gross, Nothing's scary really. except for Charlotte's Web and the Dark yeah. Crystal. Mm-hmm. And possibly Labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, the jury's T- still out on yeah, that for me. Yeah, that's TBD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and whatever podcast app you prefer with our RSS feed. That RSS feed you can find on our website, www.missinfopod.com. You can also, if you want to get in touch with us, we're still looking for listener-submitted trivia. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more trivia out there. We have not exhausted the trivia Oh, of course not. Mm-hmm. So if you have some new trivia, please send it to us, and we will shout you out on the podcast. And you can get a hold of us on Twitter. We are at MissInfopod. Uh, you can email us. We are MissInfopod at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook page. Post on our Facebook page. Yeah. We are Misinformation colon, a trivia podcast. Look yeah. for our pink logo. So yeah. I think we I think I got everything That's out. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you awesome. so much for listening, guys. All right, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.